Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Flipping the Barrel, a podcast where we interview leaders in the energy space to uncover and find out more about their career and life journeys. Today, we have Peter Larden. Peter is an energy executive with over 15 years of experience across seven international regions with ExxonMobil. In 2021, Peter accepted the position of chairman and managing director of ExxonMobil PNG in Papua New Guinea. Prior to this, Peter held the position of President ExxonMobil Canada. His additional experience at ExxonMobil included positions such as Asset Manager in Africa, Global Planning, Global Planning and Business Analyst Advisor, and others. He is an advocate for doing the right thing when no one else is watching, and you will see throughout his story how he has built on this over the years. He is also, which we really love, very active on social media, which is where we found you because we love all your posts, Peter. And we just want to thank you so much for being one of those leaders in our industry that we need and that are advocating for everyone. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Jamie. And thanks, Maze. I'm super excited about being here today. I absolutely love what you guys are doing, uh, trying to advance positive experiences and, and sort of cultural growth in our industry. So looking forward to being a small part of that. Let's get awesome. after it. Thank Thanks so much, Peter. Well, everybody wants to know about your early life and let's jump into it. So you experienced life in different parts of the world from the USA to Australia to the Philippines and then back to Australia. You got the taste of what diversity inclusion is all about, especially being in all different cultures. Can you share with the listeners more about your childhood and how it shaped you into who you are today? Sure. Well, yeah, as you alluded to, I guess we spent a fair amount of time moving around for a, for a family in the early 1980s, living in, I guess, three countries uh, before I was eight, which was the US, Australia and the Philippines. And it didn't really dawn on me at the time, but experiences like switching from cricket to baseball, from a small local school in Adelaide to a large international campus in Manila, and then absolutely everything in between, really broadened my perspective, I guess, and, and helped me appreciate uh, different cultures from a young age. So one of the memories I have is my grade three photo in Manila. It had about 20 kids in the photo who came from over 13 nationalities. So it became really natural for me to try new things at a young age, uh, to learn from different perspectives. And eventually I started to appreciate that what I was used to didn't necessarily apply to others as well. So it's been that experience that has really led me to where I am today. And that's um, that's a really firm believer that inclusive and diverse teams are more powerful, more rewarding, and then certainly make better decisions. And so, and I, and I believe that if a culture like that's going to thrive in my organisation, it really has to start with me. Mm. Thank you for sharing. That's a wonderful childhood that you got to experience so much diversity because it's not everybody that gets to you know live in different countries, yet alone continents. So that's wonderful. Um, you know, you mentioned that you had a big love for math and science from a very young age, and therefore you knew that you wanted to pursue engineering. You studied chemical engineering and you thought that you'd be making beer at a brewery and having fun. However, you ended up in the energy industry. What got you attracted to Santos, an Australian oil and gas company? And what was your perspective on the industry back then? Was it positive or negative? Yeah, great question, Maze. Yeah, I get, you're right. You know, chemistry, physics, and math were my preferred subjects in high school. Uh, pretty quickly worked out that chemical engineering was going to be a great way to put all those three to good use. I, I had a pretty open mind, I would say, at the start of university. I was certainly curious about 
the interests of my classmates and, and what they were trying to get involved in. Uh, so in, in my chemical engineering class, uh, one of my best mates actually uh, wanted to get into advanced materials to make surfboards. Um, others wanted to explore research. Some were interested in oil and gas. Uh, and I was firmly set, as you said, on becoming an engineer at a brewery. That was probably uh, a little short-sighted at the time because I, I didn't fully anticipate what the full industry had to offer coming out of an engineering degree. But uh, when I started in 1999, I, I think oil was around $20 a barrel. It, it had been under that time, uh, sorry, under that amount for quite some time. So while it was interesting, it wasn't necessarily top of mind when I started my degree. But as uh, as I went on and better understood the science and technology behind the energy industry, uh, certainly prices picked up in that time frame as well. And the opportunities for graduates looked more and more appealing, uh, particularly if you wanted international experience. So for Santos in particular, what attracted me to them was it was the company culture, to be honest, and the relationships that they built with my university and our graduating class. And, and they heavily invested in the graduate experience, which I knew would be a rewarding way to start my career. So I happily um, accepted an offer as a reservoir engineer in 2004. I was uh, supporting the Cooper Basin, which is right in the middle of the desert in Australia. And... I, I guess my perspective was I felt like I was playing a small role of a much bigger purpose, which actually is the same reason I'm in the industry today, which is uh, to supply energy to industries and communities and, and help them advance and, and do it in a socially and, and uh, environmentally responsible way. So you mentioned that you found yourself in the desert. Uh, what was that experience like? Because you went from these probably these envisions of once you know, owning a brewery, which is definitely very different than finding yourself in the desert and working for an oil and gas company. So stepping onto that, you know, that stage there in the middle of nowhere, what, 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 what were your feelings? Uh, I think it put a lot of things in perspective for me, to be honest, how challenging it is to do what we do day in, day out, and how reliant we are on just the incredible people that we have working our industry and our business and making sure that we understand the challenges that they're going through and working together as a team because this is not an easy industry to continue to advance and evolve and it has significantly changed through time so it's given me incredible perspective as, as to what it takes to safely and uh, responsibly produce oil and gas in, in regions all around the world. So Peter, um, after Santos, you went over to Exxon and after a few years, you've actually been able to kind of cross move in between different departments. How did you align your skill set with what the company was needing? I remember you mentioning that the PNG LNG space was growing and you could see that there was a future in that area. You know, what advice do you have for those who want to navigate their career? They see um, you know, big opportunities in a certain area in the company, but they might be in a different one. How how did you navigate your career to, to get to an area where you wanted to thrive in? Mm. Well, I'll start by saying um, my first manager at ExxonMobil uh, used to stop by my office actually at the, at the end of most days or many days anyway, and, and he had three questions for me, which have stuck with me for my whole career. Uh, the first one was, Peter, did you find any oil and gas today? Secondly, did you learn something new? And third, did you have some fun? And, and I would say that while my roles have changed the whole way throughout my career, I've, I've always applied those principles. So firstly, am I adding value to my team and my business? 
I'm constantly trying to learn and grow and I certainly try to enjoy myself as well because if those three ingredients aren't in place, I, I certainly know I can do, mm-hmm. do better in that regard. But the, the career strategy I've had, um, which I, I think you implicitly described, was really trying to seek broad experiences and stay open to as many opportunities as possible. Um, I started in reservoir engineering, but pretty quickly moved to facility engineering, to business planning, operations and management roles, as, as Jamie mentioned earlier. And, and I've been privileged to work across uh, seven countries in, the, in, my, in my 19 years. So all of those different experiences across different disciplines and also across different cultures have been incredibly rewarding for me. Um, and while that career path may not be necessarily for everyone the the principles I mentioned earlier I think are really helpful making sure that you're adding value learning and and enjoying yourself and then that can help you test as to whether you're in the right sort of position or if you should try to explore something new I really like that and that's a pretty easy checklist for anybody listening to go and run through no matter what their role is so thank you for sharing I want to talk a little bit more about the field and the frontline workers. You discussed earlier how your perspective changed, especially when you started working in the field. Um, and now as a leader, when we spoke with you, you talked about how critical it is for leadership to pay visits um, and have roundtables and stay close to those that are really doing the daily jobs that make energy work. <laughs> this is very refreshing to see as we know that this isn't a broad thought amongst a lot of leadership. Can you tell us the importance that that has brought to you and your leadership style and also the positivity that you have found from those in the field when you go and visit? What are some of the things that you can share with us from those visits? Yeah, well, I, I actually learned this, believe it or not, in my first role as a, as a reservoir engineer at Santos. I'd, the, the experience I'd draw on is uh, the first six months I'd actually been in the office trying to do my work remotely, um, which included sort of reservoir surveillance, production optimization, drill well planning and so on. And a colleague mentioned that they were heading to the field for, for a three-week visit and asked if I wanted to join. And, and it was on that visit that I got a chance to meet the operations team that I've been working with and, and hear firsthand what had been working for them, what wasn't working for them. And then back to the discussion we were having earlier, fully appreciate the challenges of running an oil and gas business in the middle of the desert in Australia. And so needless to say, over that three weeks, I guess we worked on a whole number of issues, made some real headway. And I would say that... I think I made more of an impact in that three weeks than I did in my first six months, just uh, really advancing some some tough items and, and getting to know the people. But even more importantly, it was the relationships that I built out of that that uh, helped me many times thereafter. So as you say, I've carried that philosophy forward throughout my career, including my current role. I make sure I get out to the field every few, few months to hear what's happening firsthand and, and more importantly, how I can help. But But I find those small frequent engagements go a really long way. And it's not just about advancing business objectives, it's about understanding our people, getting to know our people, and and you really see the impact that that can have on morale and then helping advance our culture as well. Um, but, I, but I will say, though, like any relationship, it takes time to develop trust and familiarity. So I'm, I'm never concerned or, or or worried if I go out to a new site and it takes a, a little while to really engage with the field team, you've got to show that it's important to you and that you're going to do it routinely and then you see the value thereafter. I really like that you mentioned that because I think sometimes employees who might be in the field or at the you know working shop level or manufacturing facilities, um, they've seen so many managers or leadership teams in the past come and do a show and like round tables and they never come back. 
And so I really like that you mentioned that it's, it's a relationship and it's going to take a few visits and a few interactions. And so I really like that you shared that because it's very important. Um, you know, having lived in a variety of countries and different roles as you progressed in your career, how did you adapt your leadership style depending on which culture and region of the world that you were living in? Because we all know that just every culture has a different way of treating people and how you speak to others, even how you look at people in the eyes or not. Like it's it's such a difficult thing between cultures. But how did how did you adapt your own leadership style, but still stay true to yourself and not be somebody completely different? Yeah, I think it starts with uh, a mindset, to be honest, as to uh, and and how I approach working in any new country or or community or, or culture is that that I'm a guest and my company is a guest in, in that country. Mm-hmm. And so it's certainly, you know, right from the outset, understanding um, some of the cultural considerations, what the challenges are that people are going through, uh, and, and certainly how I can support them uh, as a leader to be the best that they can be. And that, that applies both inside and, and outside of work, of course. Um, now, whenever I'm here, I'm also representing my company. So what I try to do is, uh, to the best of my ability, marry the company culture to the country culture, uh, because if you can find a way to mix them together, you certainly get the best of both. It seems to resonate better. And and certainly it, it recognises that techniques that may work in one location may not work in the next. But the, the question is to how do you get to the bottom of all of that and understand what is important? Um, I think it's as simple as just spending time with with people and, and getting to know them and and asking for feedback and because if you if you're genuine in what you're doing I think people appreciate that and they're they're willing to help you on on your journey as well yeah I have to agree with you I think being genuine and authentic is very important especially as as you become a leader and you know you have a lot of people following you now so showing that gives the other people around you the opportunity to be authentic as well which really goes into the question that we have for you which is about a LinkedIn post that you did um, you mentioned on one of your posts that there is a book that you've read called Strong Fathers and Strong Daughters by Meg Meekers. You said being a parent is the most important role many of us have and our ultimate goal. It may be as simple as instilling our little ones with the values, love, and confidence to be caring, independent, and to make good decisions. We love this post and we wanted to expand a little bit more on it, especially you as a working father. And how do you balance that all? And how did this book really impact you and just not just your personal life, but also how you look at those around you in business as well? My daughter, I'll start by saying, is absolutely everything to me. Um, yeah, I, I, I do what I do for her and for my family, of course. And uh, and I'm a strong believer that if you, you, know, if you get the fundamentals right in, in anything you do, the rest comes naturally or somewhat naturally. So, uh, you know, she's only five and interested in a whole range of activities, but I, I spend, you know, a lot of my time with her um, trying to help us grow as a family unit, but also grow socially and emotionally, um, which, as you said, ultimately, I hope is caring for others, helping understand, uh, helping her understand different perspectives and ultimately building her confidence to know what's right and not necessarily what's easy. Um, now, some of that we've been lucky has come somewhat well, has been built somewhat naturally through her experiences she's already lived in three countries as well at five years old a, a year in Australia two years in Canada and now two years in Papua New Guinea so there's a whole range of different perspectives and cultures that comes with that 
uh, on your question as to how I balance it, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it's not easy. And, and I think, you know, you both know that as well uh, through your own experiences and everything that you're involved in. Um, there, there's a few rules I try to apply, though. Um, firstly, I want to start and end every day right. And so that means having breakfast with my daughter and dinner with my daughter and my wife. Um, Secondly, you know, my work days can be pretty busy, but I have a rule that I want to spend at least 30 minutes with my daughter uninterrupted every workday, no technology, no distractions. And then lastly, I, I have a mindset my, that my weekends are hers. So any, any commitments that I have, I try to structure around our time together because, you know, there's nothing better. You probably can relate to this as well, but at the end of the weekend, sort of reflecting with her on on everything that we've done, all the fun we've had, and then what we want to do in the next weekend as well. I think that goes to build a, a pretty healthy routine. Mm. Um, but but then more broadly, I guess you asked about how how I apply it to others. Um, you know, I, I have a firm uh, belief and expectation that I have to set an example so that others can also uh, make the right decisions for their family as well. And, and I have that conversation very transparently with anyone uh, with me here. I'm never going to ask anyone to sacrifice their, their family. We do a lot and we do a lot of good things for, for our jobs and our careers, but um, the family is, is always what comes first. Hmm. I really love that you shared that because I think maybe looking back on your career, it wasn't so common to hear, especially male leaders, talk about their families and how important their daughters or spending time with with their family. I think maybe even back in the like you know a few years ago, it was very taboo of like you showing your family to the corporate side. But I read somewhere that the future leaders of a lot of our companies in the world are empathetic and they're vulnerable and they share a lot. And so with just your post, you're inspiring not only your team members but other people in the company that, hey, Peter's being open about how important time and quality is with his family. I also am given the right to do that. But it starts at the top because if the top is setting that tone of it's okay, look, I'm blocking off X amount of time for my family. I care about my balance, even though it's not balanced because we're all working hard, it still sets the tone for, I think, a better workplace. And so I, I'm really happy that you shared that with us. Um, looking back at your career, what would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've learned from either a very difficult role or a difficult move that you still carry with yourself today that you can share with us so that we can learn from you? Sure. Well, I, I, I think the biggest lesson I've learned, I've, I've tried to actually eternalize in, uh, in a, in a saying for, for lack of a better word. And that, and that is really to keep everything in perspective because perspective is everything. It's a little bit circular when you think about it, but it applies to me, uh, you know, on so many levels. So in challenging situations like you just raised, I think it's useful because it keeps you focused on what's important and not necessarily to sweat the small stuff, which can then become overwhelming. But equally, um, you know, I'd tell you that from my experience, perspective certainly reminds me to stay grateful for what I've had and the experiences that I've had and, and also to recognise that not everyone's been as fortunate and I have a role to play particularly uh, in countries, developing countries like Papua New Guinea to, to have an impact and to make a difference in that regard, particularly with our, our, our people at work and also in the communities where we, we operate as well. So it goes all the way back to what motivates me to be in the industry that I mentioned earlier, which I think is we are playing a real role in society to help raise standards of living 
and we have to do it in a socially and environmentally responsible way. So that that all kind of ties together. But keep everything in perspective because perspective is everything. Is how I'd answer that one. <laughs> I love that one too. I mean, you're just you're full of really just phenomenal advice, and it always goes back to perspective and and everything that you've mentioned during this this episode. You know, to end, we wanted to talk about sacrifice, and you kind of alluded earlier too, like when we talked about balance, like how do we do it all? And especially when you add more stuff to your plate and people always ask like, you know, is it worth it? Um, is all the commitments to your job and your career and your vision worth it? Um, the short answer is always absolutely considering all the aspects of international life, including family opportunities, culture experiences, everything we spoke about here. I mean, at the end of the day, we always think, well, yeah, it's totally worth it. Everything that I'm giving up to do it. However, there's always a reaction of, you know, what about, you know, maybe you're asking the wrong person. How about my partner or my wife or my husband, what they sacrificed for our jobs and for all the things that we, we do and we dream of, of doing. Can you expand on, on this and share kind of what you and your partner have done to create that bond and that strong marriage through all the things that y'all have gone through, um, especially you know, a lot that you had to give up moving through different countries. When we talk about it here, it sounds really easy. You pack up, you move, but it's a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> so can you kind of, uh, can you uh, elaborate on that? Sure. Yeah, no, moving is hard. I'll start, I'll start with that. There's no <laughs> doubt that we underestimate what, when, when we ask folks to move, what it, what it takes in the disruption and the distraction it introduces for the, for themselves and their family. And that's actually where that quote I mentioned earlier started. Uh, it was keeping perspective about what we were doing during a, during a big move. But, um, you know, right up next to my daughter, of course, the most important person in my life is my, is my wife without question. And we've always made, um, well, every major decision I'd say we've always made jointly, which has been important. And so uh, any major move uh, or any major change or even the support that, that, to Taryn provides day in day out for me is just incredibly I'm just incredibly grateful she invests absolutely everything to support our family and uh, you know I, I couldn't ask for more and but I know that she does it because she loves us and she you know she wants us to to thrive as a as a family um, there it's hard to characterize all the sacrifices that have been made through time but I know that Taryn also uh, steps back and considers the perspective of the situation and for every sacrifice there's normally or hopefully there's a benefit to that sacrifice and I, I know that that's how she approaches most of these things because uh, I can rely on on her and she relies on me day in day out in, in no matter what we we need to do. If, if there was one piece of advice that's that's kind of for, for marriage or a strong marriage in particular it's a, it's a tough one but I, I would say again, sort of back to the fundamentals, if if you like, on respect and trust are probably the two most important ingredients for me, um, for any relationship, but especially marriage, because they they really form the fabric of everything that your relationship stands for, and uh, you you have to earn uh, and maintain trust, and so you have to fully invest to build it. And, and I find that, um, you know, if, you, if you're starting with that foundation and that base, then again, everything else comes somewhat naturally. Mm. I just amazing. And Peter, I what I really love about what you said is you always go back to perspective, fundamentals and trust and then throw loop in communication in that. And I mean, you've got a perfect recipe. Um, so I. <laughs> 
I just think that it's absolutely important to have that trust and not only just in your marriage, but also it, it, it shows that you've had that throughout the business and throughout your professional and uh, your career as well, which is why I believe you've been as successful as you have. So thank you so much for coming on today and sharing with us um, your story and all of the great advice. And we're, we're very happy to have you on and, and you spending this time because it's, it's a different time zone for you too. So <laughs> So you really, you went out of your way and, and we really appreciate that. So thank you, Peter. Oh, not at all. No, as I said, right up front, it's an absolute pleasure to be a, a small part of what you guys are trying to achieve. You know, I follow you, you closely and, and what your, uh, the journey that you, you're taking us on. So more power to you. Uh, I look forward to what you've got coming and and hopefully we get to meet in person one day yes. in, in Houston or otherwise. We'll see how that goes. We would thank love you. that. Thank you, Peter. And Thank you, everybody who tuned into this episode. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review, and stay tuned for our updated website and our next event. So thank you.